This is VOCM News Talk. Call 709-273-5211 or 1-888-590-8626. The views and opinions of this program are not necessarily those of this station. Here's VOCM News Talk host Linda Swain. Well, not ideal driving conditions out there by any stretch of the imagination. A real mix of rain, freezing rain, drizzle, snow, slop. We should call it snizzle. Snizzle. (laughs) It's a snizzly, snarly snow. Yeah, it's not not pleasant, and it's not nice driving, and it is slick and slippery in places, and um, people have been calling the newsroom saying, where's the snow? And it depends on the moment, and it depends when you happen to be looking out the window, and it, I suppose, uh, by and large, it depends on your elevation, because the temperature is right in around that freezing mark. Yeah, I can see how people will look out their windows and say, what are you talking about? This, that's not what's happening right now, but it changes so often. Exactly, and in the higher elevations, definitely, uh, you're looking at more snow than this bleh. bleh. So, um... Schools were closed as a precaution because you don't want to send kids out in buses going down over hills and around corners and up over the highway in this kind of slop. And uh, while it is nasty out there right now, the storm system, which uh, has really taken its time moving across the Maritimes in Newfoundland, should start to finally fizzle out by this evening. Here's meteorologist David Neal. Well, David, after uh, hitting the Maritimes really hard in parts of Newfoundland, uh, that storm is finally uh, making itself, or flexing its muscles, I should say, on the Avalon. What's going on out there? Uh, so, yeah, as it stands right now on the uh, on the Avalon Peninsula, we're seeing sort of a gradual transition from uh, from rain uh, rain or drizzle to uh, to some snow seeing some evidence there on the uh, on some of the highway cameras few areas starting to change through to uh, uh, to snow um, still uh, uh, basically on that sort of cusp at any places that are maybe lower lying a little closer to the coast uh, probably still seeing some uh, some periods of rain or drizzle uh, but yeah certainly higher t- some of the higher terrain areas are starting to see it uh, change through to snow and that's basically Basically expected to continue, and, and, and that tra- transition to snow is expected to uh, kind of continue through uh, across uh, across the northern Avalon through uh, through the rest of the afternoon. And the winds are quite high. Yeah, seeing some pretty strong winds right now. Just looking at the last observation at uh, St. John's Airport, gusting around 70, but we've seen gusts anywhere from 80, uh, 90 kilometers an hour. In a couple of areas, we do have uh, have wind warnings in effect. <clears throat> Mainly for uh, Bonavista Peninsula, Southeast Avalon, and also the uh, Burgio Ramia area, seeing some gusts uh, upwards of 100 kilometers an hour stronger. Uh, I did see a peak there at uh, at Cape Race uh, a little bit earlier, about 115. So seeing some uh, seeing some strong uh, northerly winds, and even seeing them out uh, out as far as far west out here in uh, in Gander as well, seeing a few peak gusts uh, upwards around 80 kilometers an hour, a little uh, a little uh, a little stronger at times. So uh, seeing some strong winds generally out of the north or northeast uh, a lot of areas and uh, as this uh, storm kind of starts this th- that will likely continue over a lot of areas into uh, a lot of the afternoon early evening before very gradually diminishing through uh, through tonight so when can we expect to see you, you say it will uh, gradually diminish uh, through through the evening in, into tonight but uh, when can we expect to see you know some real relief in terms of uh, precipitation 
Uh, well, in terms of that, we uh, generally kind of west-east. What we're seeing right now across the island, seeing some uh, some areas um, across northeastern Newfoundland, uh, just some light snow and patchy freezing drizzle. Uh, that's based, that uh, that's going to, again, kind of gra- very gradually taper off through the night tonight, but uh, could still see uh, uh, see a, at least a chance of flurries, a little bit of and a little patchy freezing drizzle possible into uh, into tomorrow as well. But basically, looking at some lighter precipitation there. In terms of the uh, in terms of the Avalon Peninsula, particularly northern Avalon, as I mentioned, expecting that uh, transition to snow to kind of continue through the afternoon, and snow will linger around until the uh, until the evening before uh, before really kind of tapering off to uh, to some sca- kind of scattered flurries uh, and, and a little bit of patchy freezing drizzle through uh, through through kind of the late evening and into the uh, into the overnight hours. So um, really kind of looking the the the, the, the heavier snowfall that uh, that bit that we expect to uh, accumulate over higher terrain. Looking at most a lot of that to fall really through um, through the rest of this afternoon and into the early evening hours. So uh, certainly the uh, uh, for people commuting, uh, uh, for anyone who who did have to be uh, be out today, and uh, people who have to commute home, it could be a little bit uh, a little bit messy, especially uh, a lot of areas picking up some uh, some rain before that and getting that kind of sl- initial start of sloppy snow underneath as well. So uh, could be a little bit of a messy commute uh, home uh, home this afternoon and evening. So uh, certainly uh, good to uh, kind of kind of take take caution when driving and and drive carefully when if uh, if you need to be out on the roads tonight so once this passes uh, by what can we expect afterwards what's the remainder of the week looking like right now uh, after this, fairly quiet. Um, basically, yeah, looking uh, kind of just variable cloudiness throughout. Some areas may stay uh, a little bit cloudy through uh, through a portion of uh, the remainder of the week, uh, just uh, with the storm kind of really slowly kind of moving its way out. And there's another... Um, fairly deep system that's going to stay kind of well well to the south uh, of the island that's not expected to really impact us at all um but generally keeping uh, keeping a good portion particularly the eastern part of the island in kind of a north or northeasterly so could could see uh really kind of mostly cloudy skies but for the most part you'll see some breaks of, uh, of sunshine here or there there's nothing really uh overly high high impact in the uh, at least getting through the rest of this work week and, and even getting into uh, into the uh, weekend as well uh so basically once this goes by it was a long time kind of getting getting going and a long time uh, lingering with us uh, but once the storm moves out we got a pretty uh, you know pretty f- pretty uh, extended period of uh, what looks to be uh, fair pretty fair weather pretty uh, uh, lower impact stuff so it should be uh, should be uh, good for that and what contributed to the duration of this particular system uh, well, this was a storm that kind of got kind of got cut off from the flow. It was very very slow moving. Uh, it kind of lingered south of the island for uh, for for a few days, and and then eventually it's now starting to gradually move off to the east. So sometimes these things happen where they we say they get kind of cut off um, from the from the main uh, from the main atmospheric flow, and they just kind of hang around until eventually they uh, they manage to make their way out. So uh, that's kind of what happened here. It just it just kind of spun around for uh, for a few days south of the island and uh, now at least it's it's fr- finally starting to uh, starting to move away from us david neal i do appreciate your time thank you all right no problem thanks for having me so there you go we uh, dodged a bullet when it comes to when you look at our friends in cape breton for instance who are still digging out still state of emergency there yeah yeah they're dealing with their own uh, little form of uh, snowmageddon <clears throat> so uh 
uh, we bit, dodged a bit of a bullet, although we have seen some fairly nasty weather and it's not the best driving conditions out there now. So take your time, uh, take it easy, uh, try to avoid the higher elevations because you're going to encounter some pretty slippery conditions in those areas. We've already had some calls about certain areas of the Outer Ring Road, which of course is a little higher up than some area, other yeah. uh, parts of the um, metro region. So There was an accident there earlier today, just before the Paradise Turnoff. Yeah, there you go. So uh, just take your time and uh, you'll get home safely. Well, uh, we have a little bit of an update on the mystery ship. Ooh. <laughs> Already people talking about pirates and the like. Well, not likely pirates. They think that this uh, particular vessel, and you know the one I'm talking about, that's the one that showed up on the, ca- Cape the beach Ray. at Cape Ray uh, back on uh, January 20th, 20th or thereabouts. Uh, they think it dated to about the 1800s, so that's long after the pirate realm, but still uh, raising a lot of questions. This is, or was, a very big ship in its day, and uh, just the type of timber that's used, well, I'm not going to give away all the secrets here, but just the type of timber that was used and the size of the timber, it clearly was not made in Newfoundland or perhaps even anywhere in the Maritimes. So um, <clears throat> we'll get a little update from the, the province's chief archaeologist, Jamie Brake, who spoke with reporters, including myself, uh, just a short while ago. We'll keep you up to date on that. When we come back after the break, this is News Talk on VOCM. Stay informed and have your say on the news of the day with your VOCM. Join Linda Swain weekday afternoons from 4 to 5 p.m. for an hour of talk and discussion with decision makers and listeners like you. News Talk on your VOCM. We are back. Well, to say that this story has captivated many uh, would be an understatement. Uh, people from all around the world are watching this uh, particular wreck and what's going on. I've noticed stories on CNN and the BBC and all over the world. Well, the province's chief archaeologist is just back from the southwest coast where he had a look at a shipwreck that's been getting plenty of tension worldwide. The remains of a massive wooden ship showed up on the beach at Cape Ray on January 20th. Jamie Brake spoke with reporters this afternoon. He determined that the vessel likely dates to the 1800s and does not appear to be of particular historic significance. Well, what does that mean exactly? Here's what he had to say. Yeah, well, a couple of things. One is that, and I guess what I mean is that there's nothing at the moment that that makes us feel like this is of particular uh, significance. And I guess one of the things to keep in mind is that we've got, you know, there would be thousands of shipwrecks, archaeological shipwrecks around various parts of the province. Right now we've got 800 of those registered uh, and about 700 of those are likely to date to the time frame that this generally dates to, right? So, mm. and it's also, if we're right about the general sort of ballpark age, this is a time for which we've got lots of archival records. There's a lot known. We're probably not gonna learn a whole lot more about the time frame involved by um, studying this particular uh, wreck in, in detail. On top of that, it's also uh, in harm's way. It's in a dangerous spot. It's it's being pummeled by the ocean and so on. It's not ideal conditions to try to learn more from it. Um, some of the shipwrecks that have been studied here that have been considered uh, important to, to look at in some detail have been some of the really early ones, you know? So for example, the San Juan in Red Bay, of course, is the is the major example where you've got a, uh, you know, a 16th century uh, wreck there that was studied uh, over a great deal of time and in intricate detail and so on because of the age of it and because it was uh, possible to um, learn a lot that you can't get at through other 
other sources, you know? So in those cases, it's considered to be really important. Uh, so not that this is uh, not important, it's just that we have many other examples of uh, vessels of this age that would be uh, preserved uh, on the ocean floor that could be studied down the road. People could have the time to uh, develop a good plan for it and to identify sources of money to be able to do that and so on and, and, and deal with it, you know? So that's, okay. uh, that's the way out there. So not of particular historic significance, like he says, something like the San Juan in uh, Red Bay, which dates to the 1500s and is um, of a time and an era where there's far less on record about that particular time frame and activities in that particular area. In that case, it was the Basques in Red Bay the, at that um, whaling station. But um, so it's a it's a well documented period of time, which is why the archaeology department isn't overly interested. But people are still interested yeah. and still want to know what this ship was and whether there was a loss of life, for instance, uh, from this uh, particular vessel. In the meantime, uh, samples were taken that they hope will help to determine more about the age of the ship and where it. May have come from yes we do have samples uh, we've got wood samples and we've got uh, a variety of metal objects as well um and i think um we will need to be patient um it's going to take i i would sort of guess it's probably going to be months before we get the results of these things back um it, it's hard to say it depends on who's involved in the way that the work goes but i can tell you that uh, we've already dropped everything off at the at a conservation lab and we've been in touch with people who we're hoping we'll do uh, some of the work for us. So that stuff is already moving. So it'll be done as fast as possible, but I'd say we're looking at, at months probably. Um, will you be uh, contacting uh, like labs in Europe or down in the United States to see if they're able to expedite that testing or will Shipwrecks NL with uh, Neil Burgess be responsible for doing that? Uh, so that, so basically, so so far, we're talking to people here in the province uh, about getting this work done. We've got people who, uh, um, can help us out with sort of identi identifying the uh, uh, the makeup of the metal objects that we have, which which uh, should be informative. And uh, we've got uh, there's a local uh, there's a um, a faculty member here uh, with the Department of Geography is going to be uh, looking at the wood samples. If we get to the point where that where we can't take it any further here, then we can uh, go to other places to take the next steps, and um, and then we can. Uh, uh, so we may end up going elsewhere as well, but so far it looks like we'll be able to do a good bit here, you know? So, and again, we're hoping to identify wood species and uh, age of the wood, and we're hoping to identify the, the makeup of the metal, uh, and those things will give us clues to uh, age and, and uh, you know, origin here. So, yeah, when they talk about the uh, the wood samples, they're talking about, um, well, I guess first, identifying species. So if it's a certain species of wood, you know generally where it may have come from. Uh, and otherwise, uh, they, they look at the tree rings because some of these pieces of wood are so massive, you can actually see the tree rings, and that is the life of the tree. That's pretty um, impressive. So, yeah, it's called dendrochronology, and, and uh, each tree ring represents a year of growth and so they've got records all over the world uh, related to dendrochronology and related to climate this is how they they can tell you about what the climate was like 400 years ago if they've got a tree that was felled at a certain time and they can look at the tree rings and say well this was a wet season because it was 
you know, they had a lot of growth on this tree or this was a particularly dry period for two or three years because the rings are so, you know, narrow. So they can tell all of that and they've got those records. And if that matches tree growth rings in other areas, let's say in England, um, they will be able to say, oh, yeah, this this tree was felled in 1727, but it wasn't used until such and such and blah, 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 and all this stuff. So it's really quite <laughs> fascinating it how is. they can do stuff. To know how to do that. But And I, I know that there was a lot of talk in that interview about how, you know, it's not a big deal in the sense that hundreds of ships are in that century, but it is a big deal to people in that area who've come across the ship and hopefully tourists will feel that it's a big deal so well it means a lot to the local people yeah. and of course now uh the the ocean is um is is you know pummeling this this wreckage that has been preserved for so long and a lot of people wondering well are you going to do anything to preserve it uh well the provincial archaeology department isn't but he uh, uh, break addressed some of that the vessel is um, is starting to break up already and in terms of preservation break says he'll leave that up to the local community so i guess at the end of the day even if this was a significant vessel it's in the surf zone being wrecked as as it is you know there's not a whole but then anybody can do. You know, we can record it as, as well as we can. And uh, so I th think, you know, at the end of the day, if it does turn out to be significant, well, I mean, at this stage, it's, it appears to be one of of uh, of a type of, you know, of an age of vessel that we certainly get lots of examples of. So there's other chances to learn more about that, that period and so on. Um, but, you know, either way, it's sort of going to be, uh, it's, it's impossible to preserve this intact as it is. So there's two options. One is to let nature take its course and to see it dashed there by waves or for local people to kind of pull it up and do what they would like to with it. And they're certainly, uh, uh, I think, approaching it with great respect and, and uh, they're in touch with us and, and their, you know, their intention is to be stewards of this, you know, and to, and to interpret it as well as they can. And if new information comes to light about it, that can be added to the interpretation. And at the end of the day, we've got a, we've got a record of what was there, you know? Yeah. I hope that Sorry, the gentleman from uh, the, the two guys from uh, the Clean Harbors Initiative mentioned to me a couple of days ago that there was a, there seems they believe that there's a site further out, maybe a couple hundred feet out that were there maybe more of this where maybe this was uncovered originally and then it moved to where it is now. Is is, is that being is that a factor in any of, of the investigation that you guys are doing? That's if they have more information there, if they've seen something further out, that would be information that they could certainly pass along to us. We're interested, you know, we. Uh, keep track of any sort of reported sites, any sort of historic resources around, you know, a big part of what we do for sure. So if they got, if they have more information, then uh, we'd be happy to uh, take a look at that and see what it is and see if it's, uh, if it's something we should be including in the database. It's really difficult to kind of say exactly where this came from. If it was uncovered there, yeah. but, you know, if it was wrecked somewhere else and was pushed in more recently, uh, once something is moved like that, it's pretty difficult to, uh, to say anything with any level of certainty. So I'd be happy to look at whatever information that they're basing those comments on for sure. So it's intriguing. We, could we see another piece of this wreck suddenly show up? Um, it's quite possible. It's quite possible. Um, but uh, yeah, there are some real concerns that uh, this, this piece that suddenly showed up is going to be lost now because it's the surf zone is that what it's called? yeah the surf zone in the surf zone, zone. Um, cue the uh, what is it <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Um, <clears throat> I was trying to think of the name of that band anyway um, so um, 
yeah, it, it's getting pounded right now and it's breaking apart and there's pieces coming off of it and the like. So uh, apparently re- uh, area residents are interested in trying to preserve what they can of this of this thing. It's so massive, you're not going to be able to haul it all up, but you might be able to get some pieces out of it or something. Uh, anyway, people are looking at that because they see it as it's their... <coughs> I guess responsibility now to ensure that that little piece of history belonging to that particular coast uh, is kept and kept alive, so to speak, especially if they're able to pinpoint what this vessel was and determine who was on it, where it was coming from, where it was going, whether any lives were lost. There's a story there. There's a human story there. And I think a lot of people are very interested in that aspect of it. I believe so, too. And I think that there's still an opportunity to learn more, like you said, with the rings. I I still can't believe that's how they do that. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's fascinating. So uh, we'll hear more about this, by the way, in the VOCM morning show tomorrow, Um, both from Jamie Brake, because those are just little segments of what he had to say. He had a lot more to say. Uh, So we'll hear more from Jamie Brake, and we'll hear more from... Neil Burgess from the Shipwreck Preservation Society, who was out with Jamie Brake and the crew on the weekend to have a look at this thing. And uh, we'll hear what he has to say about that as well. Very fascinating. Um, So we're up to news time now with Noah Shepard. When we come back, we'll hear uh, from the MHA for Torngat Mountains, Leela Evans, when we come back right after this. Nutrition, exercise, keeping the cold at bay. Whatever keeps you feeling great, the Wellness and Healthy Lifestyle Show on your VOCM. And we are back on VOCM News Talk. And uh, as you heard, it is uh, not um, good driving out there this evening. So please be careful. Oh, we just uh, had uh, a note that bingo at the Knights of Columbus building in Whitless Bay is canceled tonight. Ah, now that's how bad it is. Um, (laughs) Bingo is canceled at the Knights of Columbus in Whitless Bay this evening. And we've been getting a number of cancellations sort of trickling in. I'm not going to say there's been a great deal of them but uh, people you know weighing uh, certain uh, considerations especially uh, having people travel unnecessarily on the roads this evening when it's uh, perhaps not ideal so uh, bingo cancelled at uh, the Knights of Columbus in Whitless Bay this evening. Well the MHA for Torn Gap Mountains says the north coast of Labrador is not the third world and residents are entitled to the same level of services as their fellow Newfoundlanders and Labradorians. Leela Evans says delays in access to medevac service has led to questions and in some cases heartache in her community. Here's some of what she told Patty Daly of VOCM Open Line earlier today. The North Coast is made up of six communities and the people in those communities are either my friends or my family or 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 relatives of friends and family. So when one person's impacted, it has a deep emotional impact on me, uh, you know, and I, I don't want I don't want to continue to live with regret and what only is and if only is, if only is. How many times I hear that? If only they would have got here quicker. If only we could have get, get them out. If only they would have got treatment, you know. And um, it's not only about medical evacuation. It's about really serious illnesses such as cancer and diabetes and uh, uh, you know, stroke. All the all these things are are so important. Uh, you know, and um, people's lives have been impacted. Their life have deteriorated because of the failure to respond adequately. And that's what I, I really. That's the reason why I, you know, I, I said that is is it is quite harmful 
um, you know, to, to, to be saying things like that because it undermines people's confidence in the system. But on the North Coast, we don't have confidence in the healthcare system. We really don't. We're, we, we pray for good luck. We pray for a miracle. And we pray for that actually that there will be a good nurse at the clinic that's willing to help us. And, uh, and that's how we get by. I appreciate the time this morning, Leela. Thank you. Wow, uh, that's uh, pretty stark, isn't it? Uh, When um, people are left to wonder all those what ifs because their loved one couldn't get uh, the same level of health care that many of us in Newfoundland and Labrador often take for granted. Uh, We don't always take it for granted because, of course, there are lots of areas in this province that doesn't have the same uh, access to health care as other areas. And especially uh, since COVID, um, it seems to be even starker these days. and similar to stories I'm hearing um, across the country, as a matter of fact, uh, I've been having conversations with some people in in Ontario who say they they got to get on a like a, a list. You have to register for a healthcare professional, believe it or not. And if your healthcare professional drops you or you drop them, you got to go back on the list. You can't just call another doctor and say, "Hey, are you able to take me?" Yeah, it's so. And there's like a a link you can appreciate you know in a place like Ontario where the population is so much larger the waiting list is quite long I'm told so yeah, I've told I've told certain things about here as well you know try, about people who already have a doctor who are not happy with doctors want to get onto one of those healthcare teams um, but you can't drop your doctor right like that's just another problem that some people would have yeah, interesting. It's, it is. It, it's very interesting. And when you talk about the coast of Labrador, which, you know, faces um, a lot of um, challenges in terms of um, travel as well, uh, because you can't get a boat in and out of there certain times of the year. And it's very difficult sometimes to fly in and out of the coast of Labrador. You can just, uh, you know, look out the window and get a little sense of what it's like on the coast of Labrador from time to time. Um, so uh, those are some of the added challenges. And then you're dealing with staffing and equipment and resources and money and you know the list goes on and on and on Uh, so if you live in that area it's got to leave you as she just uh, said you know it leaves you feeling hopeless pretty hopeless Mm -hmm. yeah even though she doesn't want to undermine confidence in the system but she said as she put it these are if you live on the north coast of Labrador, you're not just talking about nameless, faceless numbers or ideas. You're talking about your cousin. You're talking yep, your about friends, your, your cousin's wife. You're talking about, <laughs> you know, your your grandmother's sister. You're talking about people it, you it know. It makes it more real yeah. and heartbreaking, really, because if you can just put hide behind an anonymity, then it's, you can kind of brush it under the rug. But when you have names and know everything about your neighbors and their health, it's, it is. It's tragic. Yeah, really uh, difficult, and uh, I thought she illustrated that uh, very starkly in in human terms that everyone can relate Mm -hmm. to instead of just, uh, you know, because sometimes when you hear about issues and you hear about them often enough, you tune it out. You tune it out after a while. Mm -hmm. But when you hear about the actual human impact and in those human terms, uh, it makes you go, aha, yeah, I got it. I understand now. Um, Well, when we come back, uh, as you know, the London Police Service held a news conference yesterday. And during that time, uh, the chief, uh, Tai Trung, um, 
issued a, an apology to the victim in that case involving the um, five members of uh, the 2018 Canadian World Junior Hockey Team. Um, extraordinary when you think about it and that was the headline that uh, you know he had issued this apology so um, that news conference was held live they streamed it on their YouTube and uh, other channels uh, but we didn't um, share with you more of that news conference we just gave you uh, the chief uh, but we're going to hear when we come back after the break Detective Sergeant Catherine Dan and some of the information that she was able to provide at that news conference yesterday it's not a lot more because, of course, this case is now before the courts and it's protected by that process, if you know what I mean. It's not necessarily protected, but, you know, you don't want to jeopardize the, the court process. So uh, there's, uh, you know, not a lot of details coming out, but there is uh, there are certain uh, details that, uh, that can be revealed. So we'll hear more about that when we come back after the break. This is News Talk on VOCM. Saturday morning, join us for the Irish Newfoundland Show. Send your request to irishnl at at vocm.com or submit them online at vocm.com. Well, as we mentioned uh, just before the break, the London Police Service held a news conference yesterday to outline information surrounding the review of a police investigation into the June 2018 sexual assault of a woman that's resulted in charges against five members of the 2018 Canadian World Junior Hockey Team. Yesterday's news conference included an apology to the victim in the case uh, from Chief Tai Trung. For the first time, it has, uh, uh, for the time, sorry, it has taken to get to this stage. Well, Detective Sergeant Catherine Dan provided a bit more information on the case yesterday. Here's what she had to say. I'm here to provide some background on this incident, but caution that I am limited in what I can share as this matter is now before the courts. On June 18th, 2018, the accused in this matter were in London to celebrate their gold medal win with their teammates at a Hockey Canada event. When the event was over, members of the team continued the celebration and some attended Jack's, a bar in downtown London. This is where they met the victim. In the early morning hours of June 19, 2018, the victim attended the Delta London Armouries Hotel with one of the accused. The other four accused attended the same hotel and this is where the offense took place. Later that morning, our service received a phone call from an individual related to the victim in this matter seeking advice regarding a sexual assault. As a result of the information disclosed, the following day the report was assigned to the sexual assault and child abuse section, the caller was contacted for further information and the investigation commenced. The victim provided a statement to police within days of the initial report. In February of 2019, the investigation was concluded and no charges were laid. In July of 2022, our service elected to review the 2018 investigation and asked me to lead the review. Having been assigned to the sexual assault and child abuse section in September of 2020, I had not been involved in the original investigation and had no knowledge of it. Upon review of the occurrence, it was determined that there were additional steps that could be taken to advance the investigation. As a result, the investigation was reopened and a team of investigators were assigned. I would like to make it clear that the victim in this matter has fully participated in this investigation from the time it was initially reported to police until today. 
When the case was reopened in 2022, our team explored investigative opportunities in addition to the 2018 investigation. Those leads were followed, additional witnesses were spoken to, and we collected more evidence. I can confirm that some of this evidence was not available when the investigation concluded in 2019. This is one investigation, not two. The evidence that was collected in 2018 and 2019 was used in combination with newly gathered evidence to form reasonable and probable grounds to charge these five individuals with sexual assault. I understand it has taken a long time to reach this conclusion, and I thank the victim for her patience. Police services are obligated to follow required processes to gain access to certain evidence, and these processes can take many months. Police must take this time to ensure the investigation is thorough and to ensure that we have obtained all the evidence that is available to us. We would like to thank those who have cooperated with the investigation and also encourage anyone who may have information about this incident to contact the London Police Service. There may be witnesses who were at Jack's or the Delta London Armory's hotel that same evening. If you have information related to this investigation, I urge you to contact our police service. We acknowledge that there is always room for improvement in the response to sexual violence. We know that most sexual assaults are not reported to the police. The London Police Service is committed to improving our response to sexual violence. We demonstrate this commitment by listening to our community partners who share their thoughts and input about our investigations. We research what other communities are doing to create new initiatives that improve our service to victims and survivors in London. We regularly review our internal procedure related to sexual offenses to ensure a consistent, trauma-informed and victim-centric approach. I understand that today's announcement may be upsetting or re-traumatizing for other victims and survivors of sexual assault. I encourage those impacted today to seek support from family, friends, or your local community support resources. I will now read a statement from Karen Bellamere, the legal representative for EM. It takes an incredible amount of courage for any survivor of sexual assault to report to the police and participate in the criminal justice system. That is certainly true for EM. Yet, she remains committed to see this process through. We simply ask that the media and others respect her privacy and her dignity as this matter proceeds through the court process. Thank you. And um, here we are this many years later how many years uh, six almost six years later just imagine now um, how difficult any kind of um, process going through the courts is uh, let alone you know sexual assault especially in these kinds of circumstances where the uh, alleged perpetrators are so well known and is garnering so much attention not just in that community, in that city, in that country, but around the world. Uh, so it's, um, it takes a, a special kind of person, I would think, to have the kind of strength to, and I'm not saying anyone is right or wrong or, or guilty or not guilty in this particular case, but when it comes to sexual assault and the decision process that is made for a person to come forward, because you're re-traumatizing yourself all over again. It takes a special kind of person mm -hmm. to 
go through that, I think. Um, so, you know. And, and two, to notice that you'll get backlash from fans as well from the hockey team. Well, any kind so. of exposure on that level, when it's out of that realm, if you know what I mm -hmm. mean. Um, yeah, it's difficult. It's difficult. And this is what, you know, many groups have been raising time and time and time again. And that's why there's this trauma-informed approach. You know, it's important that uh, if someone has committed a crime, that, you know, society deals with that through the criminal justice system. In a timely basis. So it exactly. doesn't re happen again. So Exactly. You know, that's probably interesting to know her decision process. Would, you know, would that have played a factor knowing that she could help other people? people um, in the future really so it wouldn't happen again well it might still but you know yeah and there's all kinds of reasons why a person would uh, go through that it's mm -hmm. uh, you know concern about others then there's no something wrong happened here I know it's wrong there are consequences to those types mm -hmm. of behaviors and you know that kind of thing so again not saying that uh, you know not um, saying that trying to say that it, it, you know there's any kind of a outcome here and not sitting any kind of an outcome but oh my goodness gracious it takes like I said a very brave courageous person it to takes do that. it takes a special kind of person to come forward and, and to put themselves in that kind of because you know that scrutiny it's yeah. going to be difficult it's going to be difficult yeah. So anyway, um, that is a, a story that a lot of people are talking about these days. And of course, I hate to do this, Claudette, because you and I are always going here. Oh, no. Groceries. Groceries. <laughs> Groceries. What happened in your cart this week, Linda? <laughs> Not a darn thing, because we haven't gone grocery shopping this week, although we desperately need to. Um, but uh, Dalhousie University food researcher Sylvain Charlebois, <laughs> and we have heard from him many, many times. If it wasn't for Sh Sylvain Charlebois and uh, that uh, group at uh, Dalhousie, it's really quite amazing what they're able to do there at uh, Janet Music and the like, uh, has told a Commons committee studying food prices that he has not found evidence of profiteering by Canada's grocers. What? Now, that is, um, I guess, goes against the general perception, perception. The perception that is people the have. Somebody's got to be making money on this. And so they look at the Galen Westons of the world mm -hmm. and all the other, you know, big players in this particular country. Uh, so, But he says he hasn't found any evidence of that, or so he told the Commons Committee. He says what government should be more concerned about... Uh, is things like price coordination. Oh. Now, what does that mean, price coordination? <laughs> Collusion? I like really. Well, um, what he was talking about was you remember the big stink about La uh, Bla um, cutting its discount rate on food that's got to go today? 50 to 30. From 50 to 30, ostensibly, they said, because uh, they wanted to stay in line with other, what other groceries, uh, grocers were right. doing. So they didn't lose out uh, and of course there was a big backlash on that and so they had to renege they had to pull it back to 50 um, well um, he says government should be more concerned with price coordination so that is that whole concept of okay what's the other guy doing 
let's base what we're doing on the other guy as opposed to let's just you know highlight these products give a discount here get people into the store and maybe they'll buy those products which are a higher price if you know what i'm saying yeah which drives me nuts when they do that with eggs but go on (laughs) still can't i'm still on that whole egg thing like (laughs) so uh that's what he says is is really something that that uh, the federal government has to start paying attention to and be more concerned about. And then there's the whole idea of shrinkflation, and we've talked about this as well. Uh, talk about f- shrinkflation. My son has a favorite snack food that he just loves, and he's like, Mom, you forgot to get me my such and such. Ah. So I was like, okay, I went to the store last night mm-hmm. on the way home, and I said, I'll go pick up, you know, this favorite snack item that he likes. And uh, I went, and when I went to pick it up, it was, I was lighter. Like, oh, it's <laughs> this size now. Really little. Yeah. What's going on with this? So I brought it home, and even he, at his young age, <laughs> I put it on the table. I said, "Here you go. I got you your such and such," and I put it on the table. He went, ah, "What's that? <laughs> why is it so small?" I said, "Exactly." It's shrinkflation. Exactly, my son. You are learning (laughs) big adult lessons at an early age. He didn't have to pay for it, mind you, (laughs) which is a bigger lesson to learn. But uh, (laughs) there you go. So even the 13-year-olds are noticing. Are noticing that. Gosh, that's so And they don't notice anything. No. (laughs) Well, when it comes to their food, yes. How much can I have for sure? (laughs) Pick up your clothes. Pick up your clothes. Pick up your clothes. What? 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 They don't notice anything. Hello? Earth to sun. Uh, yeah. <laughs> a little too much of a highlight into my oh, life. I enjoyed that immensely. But there is a good size <laughs> to shrinkflation because if it's on junk food, we should only have small amounts anyway. Well, so you thank you what? for our help. You know what? <laughs> thank you. Thank you for that because guess what I don't buy anymore oh. or snack on in the evenings anymore. What? And have subsequently lost weight because of oh the snack foods the snack foods because yeah. interesting yeah won't do it not paying seven dollars for that <laughs> so either way it's it's a win win <laughs> <laughs> there you go so it's my sheer stubbornness it's my pocketbook that's forced me to lose a bit of weight rather than doing you know living a healthy lifestyle and like nope darn it not gonna do it before you sign off there's a gentleman that called uh remember we're talking about the uh on peacekeepers way and there was a slowdown well he had an update for us hi just a quick follow-up to the traffic delay on peacekeepers Uh, that appears to be cleared up there now but uh, it is definitely snow covered and slippery so um you know proceed with caution there for sure have a good evening bye Thank you. And thank you very much for that. We really do appreciate when the uh, callers or the listeners call in and let us know what's happening on the road. There are eyes on the road. So as long as they do it carefully and uh, with safety in mind, we really appreciate that because it's helping everyone. I'm about to get in my vehicle. You're about to get in yours in a short while. Uh, So it's all good information. So uh, thank you very much for that. Take it easy out there, people. Still quite nasty on the roads. Uh, Take your time. You'll get where you need to go safely. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye for now.